0: Sure, we've all had fun messing around with AI image generators and conversation bots. But AI is more than a novelty. And it's possible that your business could benefit from AI integration. SAP Business AI can help your business innovate, whether it's supply chain, finance, human resources, sales and marketing, even a generative AI co-pilot. SAP Business AI can offer the solutions you've only dreamt of. Revolutionary technology, real world results. That's SAP Business AI. Learn more at sap.com slash AI.
1: It's the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Hope everyone is doing well. It has been a minute. That is my fault. Had a little bit of a scheduling thing and a um, family thing that came up last week that prevented us from doing a true show, but uh, we've missed you. We've got a lot to get to today. I'm Anthony. He's John. We're going to talk NFL combine. We're going to talk T Higgins and the franchise tag. We're going to talk about a lot of different things. I had what I thought was a clever title to the podcast here. I don't know what happened to the the title itself. But regardless, it got deleted somehow, some way. I'm Anthony. He's the guy who has been at the NFL Combine. We've got some exclusive video footage from him. John Sheeran, the man, the myth, the legend. How are you, sir? I
2: think the reason why the title isn't there is because like we've been gone kind of for so long we have so much to talk about. There's not a single title or phrase like that, that can encapsulate everything that we are going to say. I Guarantee we're not going to have any dead air here because a lot has happened since we've since we've talked to all of you guys and yeah, I'm excited to be back. It's almost it, it's we're in the longest February of the last 4 years now, so we got one more day of February to go and let's get to That's it. That's
1: right the happy birthday of the people that have their birthday on a leap year because like technically if you're i don't know 20 something or something how does that like work or i don't actually know like, it's sometimes, know you, celebrate like, today, sometimes you celebrate today sometimes you celebrate like march first maybe I yeah I don't, I don't know i don't know how that how that whole thing works but uh, if you're new here welcome to the program we go through a lot of different stuff we have a little fun and you can get this show on your favorite streaming platform uh for the most part maybe we should join the ranks of the, the whole twitch deal i don't know we'll, we'll explore that at some point but for now we are on youtube uh and you can subscribe to that underneath john there and that cincy jungle icon there is a show icon the orange or black insider click that click the subscribe button click the bell to be notified when we go live and when new content is available and of course you got to hit the thumbs up on the video if you like what we're doing there and then if you like the audio side well you can get the video side on the cincy jungle facebook page too so go like that one um, we stream also to a couple of different Twitter accounts, the Cincy Jungle One, mine, and the show account, so go, uh, you know, if you, like, if you like tuning in there, go check it out. And then, of course, um, if you like the audio side, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all of the major ones, we are there. I am rusty at this. It has been about two weeks or so, I don't know, a week and a half, but we're going to get to it. And in the meantime, go, go subscribe. one of those ways. We appreciate the support. All right. Well, John, the big news hit. And of course that big news is that T Higgins has been labeled as the Bengals franchise player and pretty predictable. Um, What's not being predictable is maybe the outcome there. We're going to talk a little bit about pros and cons and where we sit on what the Bengals should do, because hell, everybody and their mother has been doing that at this point. Twitter is ablaze with all of that kind of stuff. And of course, I know you're dying. All of you out there are dying to hear what John and I have to say about this freaking thing. So, uh, John, tell us a little bit. What 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 did you hear, if anything, and do what Duke said about this situation in India at the combine? I
2: I mean, what I heard is I think what all of you guys heard. He was speaking in front of a you know speaking in front of an, an audience, and I think he had a statement pretty well prepared. It wasn't like last year where he said you know. If you guys want your, if you guys want T Higgins, go, you know, tough luck, get your own, you know, like essentially F off. It wasn't essentially like that tone of a of, of voice because the situation is slightly different now because Higgins was under contract last year. Now he's quote unquote under contract, but they just technically just have his rights for the season. He, he obviously hasn't signed the franchise tender yet. And the franchise tender was placed on him mere hours after the salary cap was announced. For the 2024 season at 255.4 million dollars, which is over a 30 million uh jump from last year's cap. It's the largest just by volume or just total jump in recent history. Um so the Bengals knowing that you know the tag was gonna be 22 million, uh that that's only eight million less than the jump from last year's salary cap. And also factor into the fact that next year's tag, if they were to tag him, is only gonna be about 120. Of this year's tag, and you can already kind of project that if the cap went up this much this year, it's going to go up a decent amount next year. So, I think from what he said about, you know, we tag T. Higgins because we want to keep T. Higgins, he's a good player, and he makes us better. It's all the mundane things, but I also think they tagged him immediately because they just have kind of been through this before, not only with T negotiating with him last year, but also just probably with his agency and his representation. And I think as soon as they realized that they had plenty of space to tag him and to make sure that worst case scenario, he's here for week one, he's going to play on the team in 2024, they were going to have the space and the comfort and the, and the cash and all that to do that. So they're just like, you know what? We just don't want to do these negotiations again. Nothing's going to come out of this. Apparently, from briefly from what I heard, the offer is just it's too far out of their range in terms of guaranteed money. And that's pretty ex- expected too, considering the agent. That the Bengals are dealing with and, you know, kind of what we kind of heard from last year and how there was no real progress at that. So I think they just kind of accepted it. They said, we're not going to waste any time. We're going to tag him. And obviously, tagging him so early in the window does create the possibility that teams can now legally, quote unquote, legally uh, negotiate a trade for him. Um, but there are complications with that too, which is why he didn't want to get into any speculation about what this means going forward. All that it really means in concrete is that the Bengals have T. Higgins' rights for the 2024 season, and that's how they're gonna just going to go from here. And everything else that happens from now on is really just it's anyone's guess.
1: Yeah, so two hundred fifty-five plus million is the uh, salary cap space calorie, Uh, and then of course you've got um, the Bengals with a a little bit under fifty-one thousand, and as you said, close to twenty-two million for the cap number with T. Higgins this year. So those are the financial implications of him being tagged this year. So, um, you know, John, we we kind of knew some of those numbers. We knew what was what was happening here. Now, I think you and I need to kind of talk about the pros, cons and where we stand respectively on this, because I think um, there's a there's a pretty big dividing line on things with this. And quite honestly, you know me, I I see gray areas. I see merits to to both sides of the argument. I mean, let's just run down uh, before we kind of give our our own personal stance on this. But let's just kind of run down some pros and cons. Pros side, of course, keep a talented guy the guy that Joe Burrow clearly has comfort with and a guy who has been productive and consistent through the first three years of his season uh, of his career, rather close to 70 catches, right. You know, averaging right around 70 catches, a thousand yards and seven touchdowns through those first three seasons. Last year was the big dip. Of course, that being a con, some of the injuries, what happened last year, of course there's the quarterback injuries, but there was some inconsistency from T going forward uh, throughout the year last year. So, you know, I mean, that's one of the cons. And then, of course, on the con side, the cost for keeping him at this one year if you cannot reach a one-year deal. But, again, you look at the, the pro side of things. I mean, you, you have a, an insurance policy in place in an off season where you are facing quite possibly some really high turnover at the wide receiver position because of the – future being cloudy with with tyler boyd as well so i mean money being one aspect keeping him being another uh, of course protecting yourself being a a pro side with you know having him for a year or being able to trade him and get get something for him at this point if you feel like a long-term deal is unattainable so there's some pretty obvious pros and cons unless i'm missing some so far on this one
2: no i think he i think he hit the nail on the head there obviously The $22 million in cash and cap, it does impact free agency, I would say, a little bit. I think that eliminates at least one potential impact player that you can sign if you didn't tag him or if you were to trade him immediately as free agency begins. So that's something to consider about just the general idea of, you know, maximizing the roster as a whole. But I think to your point, not just the connection and the history with Burrow and the offense, The fact that Tyler Boyd is also a free agent, and I think it's pretty assumed that he's probably not going to come back to Cincinnati, it would be different if they drafted a T. Higgins last year in the second round. Instead, they drafted two receivers on day three. One of them, Charlie Jones, barely played the receiver position in the regular season. Andre Jochevis, I think a lot of Bengals fans are excited about the potential that he is. I think he flashed, but I don't think anyone should be comfortable with him being in line to be the number two next to Jamar chase. It creates a need, a definite need at the receiver position because you cannot enter the draft with Yoshivis and Jones as your presumed two and three next to chase. There's potential with them, but they don't have, they didn't have a contingency plan for this entering this process. I think they always assumed that Higgins was going to be again, like they were going to have his rights entering free agency. So they didn't have to deal with any of this. So the The pro of of tagging him is obviously you enter the draft knowing that if we if they do get a chance to draft a really good receiver that they can replace Higgins next year, then they can go ahead and pull that trigger because it's, it's probably going to be a wise pick anyways because this is a really good receiver class. But if they didn't have the, if they didn't have T on the roster at all, then they would enter the draft absolutely needing that, or you would have to probably spend a pretty penny on a replacement in free agency, and at that point. I don't know why you wouldn't have just tagged T in the first place and then entered the draft with that. So that, that that's the whole cloud of everything in that. And really just the whole conversation about tagging and trading him, it's, it's all about timing. It's all about what you're prioritizing when it comes to when you want to do this, if you want to do it at all. Because if you were to trade him immediately, again, that would open up cap space for, again, more free agency spending. Obviously you would have to sign a, a receiver at that point, but you could probably fit in, in another signing and, at another position that you wanted. But if you were to wait until the draft, then you could potentially use that pick. That could be a higher pick if you were to wait that long because the team might be desperate at that point to give the pick that the Bengals won. Then you could use that pick to, you know, appropriately replace T for a a cost-controlled receiver. And yeah, like you'd still have enough, you know, money to spend in free agency beforehand. So I think the pros do outweigh the cons here with with tagging him instead of just obviously just letting him walk in general. But this conversation about... Is a trade eminent? Are they even interested in a trade? Are the offers going to come in? Are the offers going to be what they want? Like all these things are going to, you know, it, it's it's a fluid situation that's going to develop over the next couple of weeks. But we have to remember, this is still a franchise that doesn't proactively shop its players. Nonetheless, it's best players. And T. Higgins is one of their best players. I think they've made that very clear of their stance on him. It's just the timing of this tag, it opens that door. And these pros and cons have to be
1: considered with it. Here, here's, here are some of the things that we know based on the current situation with T. Higgins, who he is as a player and everything, as well as who the Bengals have historically been when it comes to trades, etc. Uh, teams will be interested in trying and have likely been calling the Bengals about T. Higgins and likely giving some deals that could be viewed as somewhat lucrative. T. Higgins, I think, wants to remain a Cincinnati Bengal long term. I think Joe Burrow wants him long term. I think there's good rapport there. And despite how last year went, despite some of the injuries that you've seen mostly last year here and there throughout his career. I mean, he's still playing 14, 15 games a year in the regular season through those first three seasons when he was a pillar of consistency. Um I, you know, I think I think Burrow won't here. I think the team wants him here long term. It has to make sense. The Bengals also, when it comes time to trading a player and one that they have, number one, placed this franchise tag or have this known high value or high regard for, they got to get a grandfather type, they got to get a godfather type deal to, to, to ship a player like that. And uh, I, so we, we saw it with Carson Palmer, where they were, they were just ready to just let him sit and not play football anymore until the Raiders gave all kinds of different, Things for them that they could not absolutely say no to, and it was a player who refused to play for them. Now, I don't see T. Higgins being a player, and maybe I'm just too close to the situation to everything, but I don't see T. Higgins being the of the mindset that I'm not going to play for this team if I'm going to play on the franchise tag. I think it's okay. Well, I mean, it stinks. It's not what I wanted, but I will show up. I want to, you know, and this this is kind of the crux of my stance. Look, I get. You're, I get the money situation. I get that it, it handcuffs you a bit in free agency, potentially getting outside guys, maybe re-signing other other players, that sort of thing. And I, I think the, the the flip side of the argument is, you know, the Bengals. One of the positions they have drafted well is wide receiver, particularly in the second round. You can say Chad and Barney Scott and Carl Pickens with a second rounder. I mean, they. Himself. they, they what, yeah, T. Yeah, so T. Wide receiver and running back in the second round have been kind of a goldmine position for the Bengals. They have done very well overall at at those spots. So I can see where someone would say, well, you can just maybe draft another guy. But here's the thing, John. Does anybody remember the the, the offseason going into the 2009 season? Does anybody remember the offseason going into the 2016 season when the Bengals lost two one or two very valuable wide receivers that they had high regard for, Pushman's being one back then. And then this in 2016, Marvin Jones and Mohamed Sanu, which part of this explosive offense, both both guys were part of these explosive offenses. Granted, Palmer was hurt in 08, but still, those were players that had rapport with the quarterback. Those were systems that were built around those types of players and the Bengals struggled for years to try and replace particularly when it was two at the same time that left Antonio Bryant, Lavernius Coles, and the list went on and on and on until finally they're like, we got to draft AJ Green, Terrell Owens, we got to draft AJ Green and just start this thing over. Then they started it over, they got it going again with Marvin Jones and Muhammad Sanu, those two walked, and you had Brandon LaFell and who was it, Bins, and I mean, they had all kinds of guys going in, in and out of there that kind of handcuffed the offense. Now, the stats were still there. A.J. Green put up stats, but the wins were not. And the Bengals had a pretty successful 9 season, but it still took them another year. 2010 was pretty much a disaster after that. And then they had to rebuild from there. And then we know what happened after that playoff debacle in the Steelers, and those two guys left from the wide receiver room. The Bengals reeled. And this is a team, when T. Higgins is healthy, Jamar Chase is healthy, and yes, Tyler Boyd, and he may be gone, but if you have those two guys, this team and this offense can be explosive, and there is no doubt about it. You lose Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins in the same offseason, and you're risking drafting a guy, you're risking bringing in a free agent that doesn't have the same rapport that has been built up with T. Higgins and Joe Burrow, I worry about that, man, and I look back to those two seasons that I referenced, and – again, maybe it's not my money. I said this before, it ain't my money. So maybe I'm a little more freewheeling with it than other people. But if at the end of the year you, you have a championship run, whether you actually hoist the Lombardi trophy, you can close it and that sort of thing. And Tiggins is a big part of that. Once again, I think he kind of say, well, man, that's uh, the franchise tag was tough to swallow, but if it got us back to the level and, or maybe above where we've been these past couple of years, I, You know, I think you look back and you go, "That was that was worth it."
2: Yeah, and I think there's there's no there's no deception when Duke and Zach are saying like we want T to be here and we plan on him playing for us this season. I don't think there's any like that in itself. I think can enhance the trade value because it just creates like it makes T look more valuable because he's in the plans. But I don't think they're like lying about that. I think they do plan on having him. And Jamar with Joe again because they know that that's a winning formula. They know there's a proof of concept with that. I think the situation is a little bit more is a little bit different. I think compared to 2016, even though like there are obviously extreme similarities with two receivers potentially leaving and just leaving AJ Green, which would be Jamar Chase in this scenario. I think the money and the fact that you already have a quarterback now taking up a a, who's about to take up a ton of cap space in the years in the years leading up to this, and then obviously Jamar Chase is going to get paid. Like, the money with that is a lot more compared to uh, the 2016 salary cap when you had A.J. Green on an extension Andy Dalton on an extension. Those two were, I think, a little bit more team-friendly compared to, obviously, what Joe Burrows is and you know what, what Jamar Chase is going to be. So that's going to be a variable that the Bengals have to kind of consider with this, especially because T. Higgins is an asset that I think, at the end of the day, if they were to trade him, I think it would net them a pick between, like, 20 and 40. And I think if they do get... If they are offered like a late first round pick, I think that is something that they would they would seriously consider at that point. It was it is a pick that was higher than the one that they used on T Higgins, so that's that, at the end of the that is a surplus in value. I also think that even if they do expect him to eventually play, and obviously he will play on the franchise tag, no one sits actually sits out of the franchise tag unless you are like a star quarterback. He may not. Practice though in training camp, like he may do the Jesse Bates right. route, which is obviously the you know the same agent, so the same you know all r- ritual there, which is concerning considering his importance with the offense and obviously him not getting those reps. Imagine if, like this is I'm not even going to say it. imagine if the the quarterback of the team practices in August, right, and T Higgins is <laughs> not there, right. So like, I mean, that, that'd be kind of a bummer. Put that
1: that in the universe, will you
2: please? I'm not going to say his name, obviously. I'm not going (laughs) to say what may or may not happen, but imagine if that does happen. And one of the most important pieces of that offense is not there to practice with them. That would be a bummer. And that is something that I think they are not, maybe not fearing, but they're considering. And that's another factor into this. So because the player right now is very valuable and I think would definitely garner interest from the league, because of the financial implications with, implications with this, there's going to be interest, and there's going to be at least some level of, like, maybe we should do this, but they certainly aren't planning on just trading him immediately, I don't think, at this point. I think if a trade does happen, it'll be after free agency, and it'll be only in a, in a certain case where, like, if we do this, we know for a fact that we can replace him immediately with a top pick at receiver so that the drop-off is not as significant as it, as it may be and that there's like there is an immediate contingency plan. Because at, at this point, the more I talk about it, the less I think that T is traded as soon as free agency begins, and then they just really go into the offseason yeah. with a dark cloud over that position.
1: I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I think a lot of people are saying, oh, he's going to get traded in the free agency frenzy if he gets traded in the first couple of days. There's a possibility of that. I see it more likely as a draft weekend type of trade. When they yeah. see how the board falls, when they see... they can get when they have seen what holes they have filled in free agency that's where i see them saying okay you know now again it's a very conservatively operating franchise in terms of how they pay players how they operate and you know they're not gonna they're not gonna have their hand forced and so if they are going to move a player of this caliber not only did it have to be a sweet deal but it has to be in a situation where they go we are totally comfortable with with how we've set up our team and haven't had our hand forced on this. And now we can kind of have our cake and eat it too. I want to add, you know, uh, Bill here writes, uh, uh, Bill B513 writes, do we view him as injury prone? Uh, I don't really view him as injury prone, but the reason I, I pin this comment, John, is I go, okay, well, are we even having this conversation if there was a noticeable dip in production from last year? Are we having this debate if Higgins once again put up 65 to 70 catches right around 1,000 yards, six to eight touchdowns, and, and then you go, well, no-brainer, refranchise franchise him, and then you say, well, maybe, you know, that's a guy who's worth this money. And I get shoulda, woulda, coulda, and what could have been and what isn't. But, I mean, I don't think we're really uh, – at that point, if he's showing you four straight seasons of this is who I am, instead of three, which is still, real, uh, you know, a solid sample size, if it's four straight seasons of that, I think we're sitting here going, "Fine, franchise them and let's just hang on them for a year and let's let's keep it keep it going." I obviously I think that dip brings in more into into play, but I still view that as again based on the sample size, the outlier instead of a possible trend. Will he get nicked up throughout the the year? Yeah, he'll probably you know the the, the data shows us he's probably good for fourteen to fifteen games. In a year in the regular season, and then he'll give you give you some good performances in the postseason because that is who he has been.
2: Pretty much, I I think there's a difference between him being Tyler Eifert and him being T Higgins. So, like, I don't think you go into the season fearing that he's going to be out for an extended period of time. But at this point, the expectation is like he's he's got a lot of soft you know tissue injuries that have kind of nagged on him for the past couple of years and they have unfortunately sidelined him for a handful of weeks, every single season. So, and, and even like, even in the games that he has played, like there's just been some times where he's dressed and he may have started, but he didn't finish the game or he barely even played in that game. And the, the important thing here is like, we know what the offense looks like with him and we know what it looks like without him. And without him, like I think the drop off has been as significant as it was even when like Jamar chase was out. So like the value of him, In this offense is the reason why even if he does have that injury history there's an importance on either keeping him or make or making sure that you replace him properly and you know effectively so yes i i do think that the injury issues are why they're especially not willing to meet him and his agent in terms of like the actual meat of whatever this deal is it probably wouldn't affect him on the open market because teams would be desperate to get a receiver of that quality injury yeah. history be damned yep. but because the Bengals are familiar with this they they know his medical better than anyone and they know how to treat him and, and everything like that that's a risk that they would have to consider the most because they have the most information with that and that's honestly why the tag makes a lot of sense here because it's an opportunity for the Bengals to see is this going to continue is this going to get worse because obviously the older you get and you're dealing with these soft tissues or these hamstrings they they will progr- they will you know regress as your career progresses so like it, it may potentially get worse or like maybe he balls out and at that point you really can't afford to keep him or maybe you just tag him again, and you just do this whole thing in a year. So that I think that's an element of why the tag makes sense. And yeah, like even if he is injury prone, quote unquote, I think you could still count on him to be a significant contributor for most of the season.
1: Yeah, and I, I do think, I mean, even though he picked picked it up towards the end of the year, and he and Browning had that great game against Minnesota and a couple other performances. I do, I mean, it, it, it also is, you know, there was a little bit of an on-ramp, so to speak, ramp up of, of Browning getting accustomed to the system, the system switching and doing all of that, and that that hurt T's numbers too a little bit. So, I mean, Burrow and him just have a rapport together. Uh, you know, the good news is there's not really a terrible decision in one of the three pathways that they choose, whether it's long-term extension keep him for just one year or trade him there is risk involved in each each one i think the risk the riskiest to me is to trade him and try and roll the dice to find a similar caliber player that can dive right in just as a rookie like he did um because i'm i'm assuming it would be a draft pick that the Bengals would use there i mean obviously they would maybe supplement with a veteran somewhere in there but um, you know, I, 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 it's it's riskiest to me to assume that they're just going to even though they've had a good track record with drafting wide receivers, that they will just get a guy that jumps right in and gives you 70 catches and thousand yards and seven touchdowns as a rookie. And then, hey, here we go. We're just charging forward and uh, you know, the system's working. I, I do think also a lot of people are looking at, of course, uh, his agent representation and how this played out with Jesse Bates and. You know, again, I just think that Bengals, as an organization, much more highly value wide receiver than they do safety. They've shown time and time again that they pay wide receivers, they pay multiple wide receivers at a time. Sometimes they let them walk, like the two years I referenced there. But, um, you know, uh, more often than not, they value those offensive skill position guys, and that's been proven.
0: Sure, we've all had fun messing around with AI image generators and conversation bots. But AI is more than a novelty. And it's possible that your business could benefit from AI integration. SAP Business AI can help your business innovate, whether it's supply chain, finance, human resources, sales and marketing, even a generative AI co-pilot. SAP Business AI can offer the solutions you've only dreamt of. Revolutionary technology, real world results. That's SAP Business AI. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the
2: biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can
0: only get from someone like me. A Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast.
1: Another guy, though, as we transition off of T. Higgins, another guy that has some big questions about him uh, is a big guy who, is, who was recently seen hanging out with Joe Burrow and Sam Hubbard, Jamar Chase at a Phoenix Suns game. And it was the Lakers and Suns, uh, so they were all kind of hanging out. You good sir, and I want to give my guy some props. He's got we've got a couple of quotes from uh, both a, a Bengals staff member and an incoming prospect that has been linked to the Bengals. A couple of quick snippets. You sir, as we tee up this uh, this one for you here, Duke Tobin. Uh, you had a chance to ask him a question at the combine.
2: Yeah, so it was it was um, like Duke's podium session, and I was curious about you know, DJ reader and his status as not only a free agent, but a free agent who's currently, um, you know, recovering from a, a pretty major surgery. And I was curious about the complications of those negotiations or those talks right now, because they I mean, they can negotiate a new deal with him at, at the moment. But I was curious about, you know, like w- w- what the injury would impact with that. So this was this was Duke's answer upon uh, asking that question. Here, I'll pull it up.
1: Oh, I got it right here. I got it. Oh, cool. Questions
2: on DJ Reader and, uh, and how are we handling that with the injury? Uh, shame he got hurt. You know, he's a big piece of our defense. He's a big piece of our leadership core, uh, a big piece of what made us a, a really good defense in past years. He, he kind of keeps the whole unit together. Uh, so, yeah, are we talking to him? We are talking to him. Uh, he's in the building every day. You know, rehabbing, trying to get uh, trying to get himself in position to uh, to have another successful season. He's been through this injury before on the other side. So we think he's going to uh, get through it and be
1: uh, be just fine. But we're, we're talking to him like we are a lot of our UFAs and seeing if there's uh, an opportunity to. get. So uh some kind of some big big news there it, it, you know playing the hand a little bit obviously they they want to be careful about it with the injury john but uh it seems as if the Bengals are still highly interested in bringing dj reader back in some capacity and, i mean they should
2: just because not only of who he is but what they have aside from him at defensive tackle which is practically nothing at this point aside from bj hill it's it's an interesting decision though considering not only the injury history, because this is like his second torn quad in four years, he's also going to be 30 years old this year. And that's typically the cutoff. Not not just the age, but he's going into his third contract. It's an area where the Bengals have either avoided or they've lowballed guys who are entering that phase of their career. And this is the reason why I think a reader resigning is likely in that because unfortunately for him, like he would probably make more on the open market this year than he did four years ago if he was healthy. He's not healthy. He might not be able to pass a physical. He's rehabbing as fast as he can right now at the Bengals facility until he can no longer do that in March. But, like, it it just sucks because this is essentially Larry Ogajoby all over again. Like, he tried to sign a deal with the Chicago Bears in 2022, and he couldn't pass a physical, and he lost down that deal. So he had to wait a few months until he could uh, sign a deal with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't know if that same exact thing is going to happen to Reader, but um, obviously he would have a ton of interest around the league. I just don't know how much teams are going to be willing to pay again a thirty year old nose tackle who's coming off of his second major injury in four years, an injury that typically is pretty damaging for you know players at that, that position at that age. So I think the fact that his market might unfortunately sour a bit gives the Bengals a good chance to hand him an offer that's you know less than what they offered him previously, you know four years ago and it gives a gives a decent chance of a reunion. So it was encouraging at least to, to hear that those talks are are being had and it, it especially helps considering that he's in the building constantly working as hard as he can to to get better for
1: 2024. Yeah. Yeah, and a guy who obviously is immensely valuable and the Bengals need to uh both you know for just for the future and uh looking ahead, they need to supplement the interior defensive line. BJ Hill has Come up with some of the, the coolest plays we've seen and it's been a pretty solid acquisition all things considered um but like you said things work the best with, with a healthy DJ reader and a mix of uh bj hill and Larry Ogunjobi. so the Bengals need to look uh you know at, at resupplying things on that position group. That being said we're gonna transition a little bit to um some players we're keeping an eye on this week and you had an opportunity also to ask uh, a pretty poignant question to um he, he goes by johnny newton right um so one of the guys who i think Bengals fans would love to have fall in their lap we'll see if that happens there's been a couple of these you know kind of interior pass rush type of guys that every year Bengals fans clamor for and they just don't get there um and so this is one of those guys so do you want to tee this one up here too john
2: yeah so johnny newton spoke today wednesday at the combine as all defensive linemen were in indy and he really i think one of those first questions that he answered was about growing up in clearwater florida or st petersburg so he watched warren Sapp growing up and then he name dropped aaron donald grady jared i think ed oliver was even in there but i'm like He's missing Geno Atkins, and he's been compared to Geno Atkins by ESPN's Jordan Reed. So I asked him, you know, how he felt about that comparison, and he had some thoughts on Geno as well.
1: Geno Atkins, is a dog, like everybody knows that. So just having, being compared to like NFL greats like that, uh, I take it to heart for sure. Uh, just to be mentioned in the same conversation as those guys, and I haven't played play NFL snap yet. I think it's pretty cool. So Gino man uh, that, Bengals fans got to be salivating at that uh, at that comparison and that that situation um how was he pretty was it pretty crowded around him when you were when you were chatting him up? I mean you had well, I knew he was front and center
2: exactly yeah so like I knew he was coming up at I think 10 a.m so I was just chilling behind the crowd that was uh, interviewing the player before. And, uh, I think him and, uh, Devondre sweat were scheduled to speak at the same time. So I prioritized, uh, Johnny and I guess sweat didn't come out for another three hours. And at that point I already left. So I made the right, I made the right call there. Um, unfortunately for sweat, he's not going to work out this weekend. Um, because, or I guess tomorrow, Thursday, because he had surgery on his foot. He suffered a foot injury in the middle of this past season. He played through it. He didn't really tell anyone about it. So that speaks to his toughness. And his ability to even play, you know, sub 100%. And that's a reason, Anthony, why he's considered, in my opinion, like one of the best prospects in this draft. But he's right now not a lock to go in the first round at all because of that injury history and because there's going to be some maybe lack of athleticism testing in there. But you turn on the tape with this guy, and he, I mean, he would absolutely test phenomenally, just like Geno Atkins did. God, it was like 14 years ago now. So, like, very similar size, stature. And we talked a lot about Kalajikanti last year as like the the similar mold of like the undersized three technique. Newton happens to be 20 pounds heavier and plays like 50 pounds heavier. Like he plays with the strength of a Geno Atkins, but he still has that burst. He still has that explosion and that combination of power and quickness off of the ball to be a two phase player against the run. And also, you know, pushing the pocket in the past. He looks the most like Geno Atkins out of a prospect I've seen probably since. I was really high on Sheldon Rankins and he hasn't exactly become Geno Atkins, but like Johnny Newton looks very much like that that caliber player. So if his medical is fine, I would have no issue at all with the eighteenth pick being him.
1: Well, very well might be. And the Bengals mentioned Rankins. That's a guy we talked about as free agents maybe to look at this year. And then of course the Bengals showed a couple of years ago some interest in him as a free agent. So um, you know, we'll see what happens there but definitely I I think the this is one of the positions that is in play for the first round now
0: hey it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels so whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the Priceline app today your savings are waiting Go to
3: your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price Priceline.
0: Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly, it's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at microsoft.com slash AI for Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and
2: setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's
1: BlueNile.com. An interesting report emerged, John, that uh, the Bengals may be in line for a position that not a lot of people are picking them to go after in the first round, and that is cornerback, right?
2: Yeah, so this is an interesting conversation because with so there's offensive tackle, defensive tackle and cornerback, I believe, so the report from Jeremy Rao stated as like the interest for that for that pick. And obviously, offensive tackle and defensive tackle are definitely the bigger needs here. The thing with offensive tackle is there's probably going to be like the Bengals have a good chance of not getting one of the five best offensive tackles in this class. They, they all could go off the board before them. So then you're in a situation where, okay, maybe we would have to go down like a, a grade tier to get the next best offense tackle or we could get one of the best defensive tackles or in this case, one of the best cornerbacks. And I don't think cornerback is like that far-fetched of like they don't need it because if you are to get a bona fide first-round pick at cornerback, that's more than what Cam taylor was. It's more than what dj turner was dj turner didn't exactly end the season on a high note there might be some doubt about him his ability to uphold being a starter on the on the boundary and it it's never just about like best player available either right it's about these guys are tiered in like 1a 1b 1c buckets and if you have again if you have a 1b cornerback and a 1c offensive tackle that might be the difference in taking the cornerback over the tackle in that sense so i think it makes it makes sense as like a long-term need and especially as a guy that could not only compete with DJ Turner but like start ahead of him immediately and also like it could just be the situation of how the draft kind of unfolds they could they could be in a situation where they take the second cornerback in this class and he could be someone that they grade within those top 20 picks and at that point like i don't think it's like the most outlandish decision possible
1: It wouldn't be the most outlandish decision, but I think people – there would be a contingent potentially that would have a knee-jerk reaction immediately when you go, you know, I mean, interior interior defensive line, offensive tackle, tight end, uh, maybe wide receiver depending on the whole T. Higgins situation. You go, okay, well, (laughs) you've spent uh, the last two years back-to-back second-round picks on guys you felt like would be your starting corner I understand you have to look at value, and I'm a big proponent of. Hey, if you're picking at 18th, and like you said, there are five offensive tackles off the board. You're looking at the sixth best player on your board at a respective position with the 18th overall pick, and you go that that doesn't jive to me. Right. Um, if I'm sitting there, I mean, I, I, that just the the value to me just is not is not there. And of course, all of this is based upon what the Bengals do or not do in free agency going forward this this spring but uh yeah i mean that's that's the way it makes sense to me is when they probably have a handful of positions that they have prioritized they do like to go best player available not reach but they probably have a couple of position groups they're going you know these this is where we really got to hone in here and if you're getting down to at the 18th pick you're getting down to you know a, a handful of guys at those priority positions being gone that value is just not there so I, and and that's where I think that this w- would make sense in a lot of ways, uh, despite knee-jerk reactions, probably saying otherwise, if that's the route they went.
2: Yeah. And there's a clear example with this. Like last year in the second round, I believe the, the report was Jordan Battle was graded higher, like slightly higher than D.J. Turner. But they chose D.J. Turner because they had a, a bigger need at cornerback. So, so positional impact and positional value and positional need factor into these decisions it's not just about who's the best player on the board we have to take him they took Jordan battle in the third round because he was by far their highest graded player uh remaining on the board even if they again they didn't have a glaring need at safety at that point so again if you're in the first round and let's just say no quarterbacks have been taken there's a guy from Iowa Cooper DeJean, Quinion Mitchell like both guys I think are going to be first round players and going to be worth uh, first round picks if both of those guys are there and five tackles have gone off the board. Let's say Byron Mitchell or not Byron Mitchell, uh, Byron. Who's the tackle from Texas? Byron Young, Byron Murphy. Byron Murphy. Yeah. Wow. Third time's a charm. If he's, if he's gone too, and like, uh, say Newton's medicals is not good. If you have your pick of the litter, cornerback, like go ahead and pick, go ahead and take the cornerback at that point. You don't want to just, you know, light a draft pick on fire and take Billy price 2.0 at offensive tackle. If you're not comfortable with that. So again, it, it, the, the positional conversations definitely impact how these decisions are made. And I think they're on the right track with saying we like what we have at cornerback, but I think that, you know, they think they can do a little bit better and at the very least they can give DG Turner competition and just completely solidify that position group because I guarantee you, they weren't happy with just the entire secondary as a whole last year.
1: Well, what, what, who are some of the guys this, this week that you're looking at? I mean, granted, some guys come and they just interview and, other guys come and work out. Uh, obviously, Newton being one of those guys, we, we have a, an eye on here. And you said, you know, medical, you have to check out and all that kind of stuff. Who are a couple of other people now that you were specifically in Indy that you're going, man, I, I really, whether it's on TV or in person, I got to keep an eye on this this guy.
2: I think a lot of eyes will be on, even before he runs, like Brock Bowers' height is going to be a huge conversation. There's rumors that he might be only 6'2", which I think would rub people the yeah. wrong way. It could potentially keep him out of that top 12 and bring him back into the conversation with the Bengals. Would the Bengals even be okay with taking a tight end that's short? I don't think it should deter him, but it's going to be a conversation. Um, offensive tackles and how they run at at this point, like any of them, like um, there needs to be a, priori- a priority in just speed and explosion at any of the offensive line positions. Um, Aramis Mims, uh, uh, Marius Mims, excuse me, how he runs, I think, is going to be so crucial for him because the lack of experience is, is a huge knock on his resume, but the tape is phenomenal. And if that tape combined with, I mean, this guy's moving like a, a Taron Armstead. But it's as profile? powerful as Trent. Yeah, if he's as strong as Trent Williams, teams are going to care about him starting only eight games, and he might not make it to to pick 18. But I, I think the, the more offensive tackles who test phenomenally – um A, the more likelihood that the Bengals aren't going to get one of those five best tackles, or B, there's a greater chance that if they do pick a tackle in the first round, it's going to be a guy that gives them an element that they haven't had before. And yeah, I I think that position is just going to be under a microscope so much for the Bengals um, at the Combine, considering that it's the most likely position that they target in the first round, and and it has to be someone that gives them the ability to defend athletic edge rushers for once in their life
1: yeah and we had this conversation last episode about Fuaga, right um you know is he a guy that you can you can trust on the right side based on you know pass rush ability um potentially arm length or lack thereof compared to others and then how does he test um with with some of the other uh areas too and then of course you know i mean these guys do their pro days too but um, this is kind of that first, first look at a lot of guys, uh, you know, wide receiver, maybe, you know, I think there's a couple of guys in there that the Bengals may look at uh, because of the, the situation with, with Boyd and Higgins that we mentioned earlier. So there's probably a handful of guys there, maybe running backs as well coming to come into play, yeah. particularly uh, in, in the 40, the, you know, the, uh, the, ten, you know, 10 yards split, 20 yards type of thing. And then of course, the 40 yard dash in general, Um, Looking at looking at some of those guys, just because the Bengals may want to reassess some things there, whether Joe Mixon is in the picture still or not. Uh, So I I think those position groups, and then as we mentioned, you know Newton in the in the interior defensive line, that has to be a priority. I am curious to see what level of interest the Bengals will show to edge defenders, because I still think that that is an area that they need to shore up. I mean, of course, the Trey Hendrickson and Hubbard's been a solid solid player for a long time, but um, I think the Bengals just need a little more juice and a little bit more rotational help there, too.
2: Yeah, and they've been, I think with some of the top guys like Chop Robinson, Dallas Turner, I think. And of course, they're going to meet with practically every every prospect at the combine. But obviously, there's a distinction between formal and informal meetings as well. So, yeah, that's another one where it's, it's not the strongest class um, overall, but there might be a handful of guys that, that could be there at their pick that that could garner some interest. Um You mentioned Mixon; we made it forty-five minutes without uh, mentioning his name, but I think it was kind of worth um it's kind of worth bringing up the fact that like Duke was obviously asked about him and his roster bonus coming up, and the answer was about what we expected. You know, n- nothing definitive because like I don't think they have any definitive plans on it aside from as soon as free agency begins or as soon as you know tampering begins and whatnot. They're going to be keeping a, a close eye out on the running back market. They're going to be seeing if guys like Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Derek Henry enter the market, see what their contracts are. If it becomes too saturated at, at that point and the mix and steel ends up looking worse and worse, then a decision could be reached, you know, a handful of days after free agency when that roster bonus is owed. But, yeah, I think I think at this point, um, if if there's a situation where Mixon is on the team. And there's a situation where he's not on the team and there's just no, no definitive plan yet. So I, I wasn't surprised by Duke saying, I don't really have a comment on
1: that at this time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's start closing up and drop the mic and get out of here. Uh, we got through a lot in a short period of time. T Higgins, DJ reader, Johnny Newton and NFL combine prospects. First of all, John, just want to thank you again. Go give John a follow. John double underscore. Sheeran for uh those clips and um thank you for supplying those to us wanted to share those and give you all the credit that you deserve for your great work there and at a to z sports my friend what you got for us on our way out um nothing nothing
2: particularly it was a really cool experience being at the combine i think indy indianapolis hasn't i haven't been in indianapolis in a while um i think it was a couple of years since we drove up there to go to the uc notre dame game but i didn't i didn't I never really realized how much of like, it's almost like you're going back in time 20 years. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but like all the signage and like the restaurants and like the layout of the city, it just screams 2003 to me. And I can't really explain it, but like just the, the certain restaurants and like the branding of these restaurants, it, it's it's, we, it's weird in a good way where it's like it feels dated, but it's like a comfort level with it. So like it, it, does, it feels like it hasn't really enhanced in the past 20 years, but I think there's a reason why the combine is always in, in in Indy. It's just a nice, it's a cool city. It's a cool spot. I think the NFL likes it. It's pretty low key compared to some of these other, you know, NFL type cities, but getting there is not my favorite because I hate driving through Indiana. It's very windy and like they do a terrible job of, of, you know, constructing highways and whatnot, but Indianapolis is a cool spot and it was, it was cool kind of being there again.
1: Did you get a steak?
2: So I didn't get a steak, but I went to a steakhouse, not St. Elmo's, there's a steakhouse called Tony's and Tony's was started by a former host at the precinct, which is a Jeff Ruby's restaurant. And, um, my family has known Tony for as long as I've been alive. I, I think even longer than that. So I went to his uh, Indianapolis establishment. I don't think he was there that night, so I couldn't say hi to him, but I had a nice a little, little rigatoni dish, but, you no know, pun there. I and, like, that. um, yeah. As I think I saw, I think I saw some NFL personnel there, but uh, they they were all you know, busy enjoying company, so I, I just left them be.
1: <laughs> look at this from Dan the Man.
2: Video look, look man, I can't, in I can't explain it. Like, it's, <laughs> it. like it's, it's like old restaurants and like old signage that, like, it, it just it looks cool. It, it looks dated, but it looks uh, cool. It. I don't know if that's a diss that's to anyone funny. who lives in Indianapolis, but
1: I I enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, again, I, I apologize. This was my fault that we didn't, uh, and maybe we weren't even missed last week. I don't even know, but um, that we did not uh, bring you a show last week. We're, we're trying to, but with the three and out guys did, we're still peppering you with a lot of content. So hopefully you enjoy that. But, um, you know, unfortunately I, I went out of town for a family funeral, which is really not that fun, but there was a positive about it. And that is seeing a lot of family members that I had not seen in five, 10, 15 years or so. Um, and a couple of my cousins are actually could be as they lived in Cincinnati for a period of time are Bengals fans. And one of my cousins who I had not and I had gone to Bengals games with him uh, when the then San Diego Chargers were playing the Bengals back in like oh three. He came out our way from Arizona and uh, we ended up watching it. But that long story short, I got to reconnect with him, which was pretty cool. And my other cousins and all kinds of different people. And uh he actually was, was saying, Yeah, man, yeah, you know, he he watches the show, he checks out the show, and he, he plays the show for his son and all kinds of stuff. I'm like, hey man, that's pretty cool. Um we had been in some contact from you know some different different things, but not, you know, hadn't seen him in a long, long, long time. But uh it was good to see him and many others. This last weekend, despite the circumstances, and uh, laid to rest a really good man, my uncle Jerry. So, um, in, in a negative situation, came some positives, which is always a good thing. But again, with that being said, I do apologize that we did not bring you a regularly scheduled show last week. But we'll be keeping you up to date. We do have some more stuff coming from Indianapolis. Uh, our guy Jason Garrison from Three and Out and Cincy Dunkle. He's going to be there. Uh, the the for the weekend the boy's gonna try and get his butt out there too if if it's if it works out we will see there's also a really neat event on sunday that we're gonna get some access to and we'll bring you some footage on that uh i don't want to spill too much tea on that but we'll we'll get you some access to that but thank you everybody tune in through your favorite platform get tuned into the cincy jungle podcast channel subscribe to it through itunes stitcher spotify amazon music uh, heart radio any of those and get us on youtube the orange black insider channel as well as on the cc jungle facebook channel john take care my friend thank you again for your work and sharing what you did out in Indy, the work that you did in indy and uh, kudos to you thank you guys take care
0: had fun messing around with ai image generators and conversation bots but ai is more than a novelty and it's possible that your business could benefit from ai integration sap business ai can help your business innovate whether it's supply chain finance human resources sales and marketing even a generative ai co-pilot sap business ai can offer the solutions you've only dreamt of revolutionary technology real world results that's sap business ai learn more at sap.com ai